Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Sunday morning? Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. King David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so I believe that this should be a house of joy and a, and a place that we are glad to be. Amen. Well, it is great to see everybody this morning. We are going to have a phenomenal service today. We're going to begin into some praise and worship. And in a little bit, we're going to be studying uh, what the uh, what we refer to as the rapture of the church. And it's one of my most uh, favorite things to study in the Word of God. So it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Can we stand up together this morning? Praise God. We're going to open up our service. Amen. And uh, we're going to, first of all, we're going to pray for the nation of Israel. And then we are going to uh, speak some words of faith over the United States of America. And we talked a little bit last week about some of the things going on uh, with the nation of Israel. And and certainly we can see a lot of this uh, prophesied, predicted in the Bible. And so it's exciting to see it uh, happening before our very eyes. But Psalm 122 tells us that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we take that seriously and we're going to do that this morning. And then we will speak some words of faith over America. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for Israel. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much uh, for your word and your promises. And Lord, it is, it's interesting to see uh, what's taking place uh, right now. And so much of it is what the Bible told us was going to be happening. And so it's not a surprise, yet it is interesting to see. And Lord, you told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we do that, Lord. We pray for peace in Jerusalem and that Israel would be uh, protected and victorious in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we know that there's even Christian people and some good people uh, in in Palestine. And we pray uh, that they would somehow be protected too, Lord, out of all of this, that evil would be defeated though, and uh, and that the people of God would be victorious. And Lord, we understand that uh, things could be wrapping up here very soon. And so, Lord, you told us to watch and pray. You told us to be alert and awake. And so that's what we are, Jesus. We are awake and ready for your return. We love you and we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen today? All right, let's go ahead and we're going to do our confession over the United States of America. Amen. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a little bit of time here to go around and do what we call meet and greet. So find somebody, give them a nice high five, handshake, fist bump, give them a great big hug. Just make sure everybody gets some love today. Amen. Let's go.
Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you may be seated today. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, as you can tell, we got a very full house today. So if you are looking for seats together or something like that, uh, let one of the ushers know and they'll try to hook you up. Uh, but praise God. It is awesome to see everybody. Is it rude to tell you that your Bible doesn't need its own seat? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, you could. I'm just maybe, saying. Yeah. One seat per person. How's that sound? <laughs> just Amen. try to put your Bible on All your lap. All right. You know well... I've got some exciting news that we want to uh, welcome. Uh, in a little bit, we'll welcome any first-timers that are with us. But we have a, a second-timer, I think. And so in the back here in the coffee bar, Annabelle has baby Kyrie with us for the first time. So second time. Second time. So he's just about a month old. And we have had so many new babies lately in the church that that is just one of our favorite things to celebrate. So uh, congratulations to Annabelle. And uh, we're thrilled to have Kyrie with us. And for a long time, he's got a lot of years left with us. So that's exciting. <laughs> Amen. Well, we'll get into some announcements here. Uh, Pastor Katie's going to cover a few things. And then we got to talk about Harvest Fest because Harvest Fest is this Friday, everybody. Can you believe that? Yes. This Friday, that is the main key event of the year for us. So uh, she's got a lot to cover. So I'm going to let her uh, take over announcements here. Awesome. Well, I'm all excited about Harvest Fest, but I can't talk about that yet. So uh, what I'll tell you is Thursday, November 2nd from 12 to 1 at Crossroads Assembly is the Barstow Christian Ministerial Association is hosting a lunch for Christian business owners. Yes, so if you own a business or you have friends who you know are believers and own a business, make sure to stop at the information booth and there's some little cards you can give out to them. There's a QR code on there for them to scan and to be able to register. We would love to meet with them and connect them and let them know that they're not alone in Amen. their business venture for yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Um, Enriched Food Pantry at Midtown at 800 Yucca is in need of volunteers. There is a sign-up sheet at the info booth. And uh, those of you who have already signed up, stop and sign up again. Okay, we gave your list uh, to Miss Johnston who has your information to contact you, but we want to make sure that we get you connected in where your heart is at. And um, there have been donations coming in from what they need each month for the blessing bags. Those donations, we deliver them over there. So if you have donations for Enriched Food Pantry, you can leave them also at the information booth and we will deliver them each week to Midtown as well. Okay. Here comes Harvest Fest. Okay. I appreciate your applause. And now I need you to take out a pen or paper or your phone and take some notes. Take some notes. Okay. So today after service on the patio, you can pick up your burritos. Ooh, okay. Now, for weeks, I didn't know that they weren't cooking them here. Didn't know that. So the sanctuary does not smell like bacon this morning. Hallelujah. I was looking That's forward actually to that. so good. You can focus on Jesus. That's what you're okay, here for. And not bacon. Anyway, I'm a little sad on the inside too. It's fine. Anyway, um, tomorrow from 10 to 12, they are cleaning out the shed, which means they're going through games and getting supplies together. So are you, if you are off tomorrow or you just don't have things to do from 10 to 12, we would love to have you here in this parking lot right here 
The front gate will be closed, but you can make it in the back gate. Then uh, Tuesday from 6.30 to 8, if you cannot make it to Wednesday service, Tuesday evening from 6.30 to 8 is some volunteer training for those who cannot make it Wednesday. Tuesday, 6.30 to 8, volunteer training. Wednesday, they're going to start setting up at about 5. They're going to do a bunch of work. Basically, this entire week, if you don't have something to do and you come to church, we'll be here. <laughs> we got and we got stuff to do. So uh, Wednesday, though, we'll start setting up at 5. For the 7 o'clock service, we're still going to do worship and we're still going to do tithes and offerings. And then following that, we're going to do a training and make sure all your paperwork is together to... Uh, be on point with what we're doing for Friday night. There is nursery, so zero to four is covered, but after four years old, they're with you and they're serving the Lord. And you get to go out and do things together serving as a family, which is the best. It's really fun. I promise you, if you're scared of it, don't worry. We make sure to block things off so that there's not cars and we believe in free range children and they get an opportunity to learn what it's like to serve the Lord. So whether it's sweeping a floor together or taking trash out together or refilling toilet paper rolls, there is stuff you can do as a family. Don't be afraid, parents. It will be fun. I promise. Um, We do need more candy. Today is the last day for the candy competition, and guess who's not standing behind me? Our children's director is in a class today. You're welcome. The youth needs your candy. The youth needs your candy. The youth needs your candy. Um, Also, I think that's almost, almost it. Uh, They do have times for if you're coming out this week, um, you are welcome to come anytime really but they have 10 to 12 and 2 to 6 all week long um there'll be people at the office and in this side parking lot here as well okay i think that's all of our He's harvest passing around the the hot dogs candy oh candy packing that's what i missed candy packing tomorrow 5 p.m until they're done so tomorrow 5 p.m until they're done And yes, we let you swipe a little bit of candy. Little, little. (laughs) Like two pieces each, but no no more than that. Okay, that's it. All right. So this Sunday is very odd for all of your reasons. I don't know what happened in Barstow this weekend, but a bunch of people who haven't been here in a long time are here. I'm so glad that you're here. I love you. Okay, so if you're with us for the very first time, raise your hand. We want to welcome you. Okay, I'm so glad you're here. Okay, now this is going to get weird for a second, all right? So those of you who haven't been here in a long time, raise your hand. All right. Okay, come on. Come on. All right. Awesome. I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. There's some information about the church, whether it's your first time or your first time in a long time. If you take that information card and take it to the info booth after service, we have some free coffee for you and a gift. Amen. Along with the free coffee that we don't make here. No, no. It's from Dutch Brothers, if that counts for anything. So, all right. (laughs) Well, praise God. Who knows what time it is now? 
Amen. It's happy time. And that is our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And so we get excited, man. We get cheerful when we have a chance to give into the things of God. Uh, if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And if you need an envelope, the ushers will be glad to get one over there to you. Amen. Hallelujah. How many know we're living in some of the most exciting times in the history of the world? I always, always think at it this, like, like it this way. The book of Acts, uh, the believers got to see Jesus go up. But then Jesus told them, said, why are you looking up? We got work to do. The same Jesus is coming back. I said, the same Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. And we're that generation. We're that generation, I believe, is going to get to see Jesus come back. Uh, before, before we receive the offerings, I want to show you a couple things for the times we live in. This book right here is called Why Tongues. And tonight I'm going to be teaching how I pray for Israel and what's going on right now because there's so many different ways we can pray with our understanding. But uh, for spirit-filled people that are spirit-filled people, God's given us a prayer language. I'm going to be teaching tonight, really in simple detail, why tongues, why we pray in tongues. Because the Bible teaches that when we pray in tongues, we're always praying the will of God. And a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people in this church that are tongue talkers, you don't know that. But we're going to teach you tonight in detail why to pray in tongues. Because myself and praying for Israel, I know what most of you know, God's chosen people etc etc and how god's on their side and when the thing's all said and done israel wins but in between here and there we need to know how to pray effectively and there's so many things that we don't know going on behind the scenes but god does and we pray in our prayer language we're covering those things and helping his will to come to pass amen and so if you're really interested and how to pray very, very effectively for Israel. Come tonight, we're going to teach you. And then another book I want to show you right here. And uh, myself and Mrs. Pastor wrote this book called What Always Precedes a Major Move of God. And back in the year 2000, for about a half a year, I was secluded with the Lord in between being a pastor and preaching. And he talked to me for several months about the time we're living in today. And he talked to me about prayer about leadership, and about unity. That's three Bible keys and principles for a major move of God. And guess what? We're in the time where we're set up for a major move of God. And so this book has a lot of good nuggets and a lot of things that the Lord said to me through the Word of God. And if you've never had this book, they're in the bookstore. And I believe they'll bless you for the times we live in, and they'll stir you. And Pastor Dave keeps telling you over and over again of what Jesus said, now is the wrong time to be sleeping. Amen. We're talking about spiritual sleep. And uh, the Bible tells so many different ways that people get to the place where they're, where they're kind of in a trance in the end times where they're going to say, well, what's the use? People said this all my life. They've always said this. Guess what? Things have changed. Things have changed. And so here's where we are. And I know that for myself, I want to be as effective as I can making sure I'm at the right place at the right time doing the right thing to help prepare people for Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. 
Open up your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 48. And we're going to look at verse 17 for tithes and offerings. By the way, if you didn't receive an envelope yet for your tithes or offerings, hold up your hands. And as Mrs. Pastor says, one of these handsome gentlemen will be glad to serve you. Talk about you, Dave. You too, Cletus. <laughs> you too, Cletus. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a given. Anybody can wear a pink tie on Sunday morning. We know, we know they're handsome. That's, that's to distract you from seeing his good looks. <laughs> All right. Isaiah 48, 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee how to go broke. Which teaches thee how to win the lottery. <laughs> no, he teaches you to profit. Teach you to profit. He's talking to Israel. What do we call the people of Israel? Jews. Jewish people. And how many's ever heard of Jewish people that show up in a town and they go broke? That's one of the reasons people get so jealous of them they know how to make money. And so God said, He said, I'm your redeemer, but I'm also the Holy One of Israel. He said, I'm the one that taught them to profit, and I'll teach you to profit. He said, I'll lead you by the way that you should go. And so if I were going to school and they had books and had to have a textbook for the class, whatever the class was, that's what the teacher would use. Well, if God's the one that's teaching us to profit, what's his textbook? The Bible. That's God's textbook. And so if you're, if, you're, if you're a person that chooses never to read the textbook, then how are you going to know what the, what the lesson is? And the last four weeks, the last four weeks on Sunday night, I taught a series on, on, uh, on prosperity and how to gain wealth and how to do things God's way. And I'd really, I'd really encourage you to go on YouTube or Facebook and look at those lessons there. But the number one thing in the textbook God says after you're born again is start being a person that pays tithes to God. Number one thing he says, not because God needs your money, but God needs your heart. And Jesus said where your heart is, that, 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 that's where your wealth is. That, that's where everything is, where your heart is. And so God wants you to have a right heart towards him and do what he wants you to do. So anyway, let's stand up. And we'll make our financial faith confession. How many know that these words that we preach we teach that we confess over our life and finances they work Jesus said we'll have whatsoever we sayeth and so we're saying things in line with the word of God and just hook up and be ready because the times we live in God needs you we need God and we just work together as a team amen as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today we believe we receive jobs our better jobs promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Okay. Join us up here at the altar. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's worship him on a day. Let's give him all the glory, all the praise. 
learn a song together today, this morning. And it goes like this. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory. Majesty. Praise forever to the King of Kings. You guys sound good. Let's sing that again. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three.
till the stone was moved for good before the lamb had conquered death and the dead was from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born and then Till the stone was moved for good Before the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who had come To the Father are restored And the church And the church of Christ was born And the Spirit lit the flame Now this God
raise our hands to him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, we know that these are serious times that we live in. And Jesus, we're here today. We showed up and we want to hear from you. We want truth, Jesus, and we want truth that'll set us free. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every heart in this room is softened, Lord. If there's any hardened hearts, Lord, I pray that that the anointing of God is just breaking those down right now in Jesus' name, Lord. If there's any, any ears that are closed to hearing the word of God, Lord, I pray that you would open our ears today to hear the word. And we know, Jesus, that you wanna tell us some things today. You wanna give us some hope. You wanna give us some answers that we desperately need and that we're looking for. And so, Jesus, we invite you this morning to have your way. Holy Spirit, thank you for this day. And I pray that you would have your way and speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, listen, uh, it's not a mistake that you're here today. I can tell you that. I have been praying for you all week long that you would be here today. I promise you that. Amen. And uh, I just, I know the anoint, I feel the presence of God in this room. And if you know me, you know I don't just say things like that because I've got nothing else to say. Uh, but it's the truth. I believe that the presence of God is here today. And I've been praying for you, man, all week long on my knees that God would get you in here today. You listened. There's clearly some that didn't listen, and I feel bad for that, but you're here. And so I'm uh, just, my prayer is that you would listen to the word of God today. We're going to be looking at some pretty uh, hefty things in the Bible, but it's not scary if you're right with God. It's exciting if you're right with God. And if you don't have things where they need to be with the Lord, you will have that chance today. And it'll be totally up to you uh, what you choose to do uh, with Jesus and his gift to you. But make no mistake, you are loved. You are here for a reason. This is not an accident. So for this next little bit, open your heart and open your ears to the word of God. And let's see what Jesus has to say today. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give him some praise this morning? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I am uh, just really, really excited uh, for uh, the word of God today. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit last week. Uh, the title last week was called Don't Let Him Find You Sleeping. And, and that was taken directly out of Mark chapter 13. And so there's some things in Christianity that if you've been in church for a while, there's just some things that we feel like, hey, we know that. But it becomes more apparent to me every single week that not just everybody knows it, right? And so this week, the Lord has clearly uh, dealt with me to talk about uh, what we call the rapture of the church, the rapture of Christians. And, and so I'm going to talk about that today. And some of you in here, you've heard about this. And in fact, we talked about this. I, my, you know, I keep tabs of everything I preach. Last April, we talked about this. But here we are uh, a year and a half later, and it's more real than it was back then. And so uh, I want to talk about this. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. And if you've got 
questions, they can get answered today. And I just believe that God is speaking to you. And this is just a, a, a very wonderful time to be alive if you've got Jesus in your heart and you're living for him. Amen. Listen, if you need an outline for the message, the ushers have some, and they will, they'd be glad to give one to you so you can kind of follow along uh, with that. But just to give a very brief recap, uh, because, you know, I, I want to cover everything that I'm supposed to cover today. So a very brief recap. Last week, we looked a little bit at Ezekiel chapter 38, and we saw uh, this end times war that was prophesied thousands of years ago in Ezekiel 38, and it refers to uh, a ruler or a, a king or a president, a leader that the Bible kind of gives code word Gog to, and then it, it refers to uh, this nation called Magog, which it says is to the distant north of Israel, and it tells us that the, the Persian kingdom would join up with them and some others that it mentioned, and, uh, and so uh, when we look at those nations, it tells us that uh, what any Bible scholar that I, you know, would trust, uh, and what I what I can see from Scripture myself, this nation to the distant north of Israel is clearly the nation of Russia, and and it says that this Persian Empire, which is modern day Iran, would team up with them and some other nations they mention, which most of those nations are now in modern day Turkey. But it says that these nations, in the end, would team up and invade Israel from the north, right? And and my whole life I've been hearing about this, and 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 so what we have here is we're seeing a lot of this begin to take place. We talked about this last Sunday, and you know, I, I'm, I'm talking about it, and I'm like, well, yeah, but nothing's really happening to the north of Israel yet, and, and Russia's kind of, you know, paying attention to their little thing in Ukraine over there. So Monday morning, I'm, I'm sitting at a restaurant in Victorville. I had a meeting with, with someone, and, and I'm waiting, and, and I just open up the news while I'm waiting, and the headline is, Russia and Vladimir Putin, they want a piece of the action in Israel now too. And I'm like, there it is. <laughs> that didn't take long at all. And so they're looking to team up uh, with Iran, you know, their BFF. And guess what? The Bible said this was going to happen thousands of years ago. And so it's like nearly by the day, by, by the hour, we're seeing things happen that the Bible said would happen. And yet you've got people with hard hearts saying, nah, I don't believe it. Yeah, that's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's a coincidence. Absolutely. That thing after thing after thing after thing keep happening, but it's just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Things are getting very, very real. And so as we look at things today, I'll, I'll say this, all right? Here's my, uh, here's my disclaimer up front. I am not promising that this is the big one or the final thing and that Jesus is coming back tomorrow or by the end of this service. But I'm not promising that that's not the case either, right? <laughs> it could be, very much could be, and it might not be. This may be what Jesus referred to as birth pains. He said, you know, just before a woman gives birth, there's a series of birth pains that take place for a while. I mean, my wife and I have had four kids. I didn't feel the pains, but I saw them, right? And I got yelled at. So I know, I know what it's like. And so, you know, in all of this, I've had people, you're pretty nice. She's pretty nice. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. Except for when Joel was born. That was that one time. Anyway, so we'll discuss that later. 
that's another topic for a different day. But what I'm saying is what we're seeing right now, maybe this is just some more of the birth pains, but this could be, I don't know. This could be the big one. We don't know, but we know this much that Jesus told us time and time again, when you begin to see these things take place, lift your eyes to the skies for your redemption draws nigh. And so I've, people have been just bombarding me with questions for two weeks now. And I say, listen, I'm not the expert on these things. I, admittedly, I have studied this for, you know, 10 years, but not, you know, I, I don't know everything about it. And I don't, I'm not going to say that I do, but I'm smart enough to just read the Bible. And when the Bible says this, 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 and this is happening, uh, then look for Jesus. Then I'm like, okay, that's happening. I'm looking for Jesus. Uh, you don't have to be have a PhD in theology to see some of these things. That's very, very clear. And so the Bible did warn us. Here's the main thing. All of us are always looking at America and North America because we live here, right? And we could get more into that if we wanted to. But the truth of the matter is, it all revolves around Israel, God's little tiny piece of chosen land. And all of this revolves around, look at Israel, this tiny piece of land that the whole world wants a piece of. They've got all of this, but they want this little piece. Do you know how small Israel is? Do you know that the entire country of Israel is smaller than San Bernardino County? <laughs> And they've all, all these nations, they got all this land, hundreds of thousands of square miles. Israel is only 8,000 square miles. San Bernardino County is 20,000 square miles. We're double the size of the entire nation of Israel. And they all can't be content with what they have. They want this piece. Yeah, well, that belongs to, no, in Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abraham and said, they can have all that. This little piece is for you and your descendants from here until kingdom come, this belongs to you. And nobody can be content with that. Everybody fights over it. And so we look at, yeah, but I'm not, I don't wanna get political and get into all this stuff because I know there's probably people here that disagree with me and that's fine. But I'll say that people would be like, well, yeah, that's Palestine. That was their land for, no, no, it was, God's land that he gave to Israel 6,000 years ago. And it wasn't even called Palestine until the Roman Empire renamed it that as a slap in the face to the Jewish people uh, because Palestine is the, the descendant or, or, or the variation of this word Philistine or Philistine. And so they're like, okay, yeah, we'll give this to Philistine. What does that mean? It means Philistine land, basically. And who's Philistine, who are the Philistines? They're Israel's arch nemesis all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Goliath, right? Goliath was one of the Philistines. They fought each other for thousands of years. This land belongs to Israel. Yet we were told that in the end, everybody's gonna be fighting over this little tiny piece of real estate. And especially when some of these nations, the Bible mentions, join up and come at them. That's especially when you look out. Well, we're just about this close to that happening. I was talking to our great friend, Ray Bench. A lot of you know Ray Bench. Uh, he called me on Friday night. We were talking and he's, I was like, well, what's Dr. Mark Barclay saying? What, what are you guys seeing? And he's like, listen, if this isn't the end thing, the end thing is gonna look a whole lot like this. And I was like, you said it. 
That's exactly what I'm trying to say right now. And so things are serious, and I've got people that are scared. And I mean, listen, if you have things right with Jesus and you're living for Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. We're ready. But I will say, if you do not have things right with Jesus, if you've got one foot over here, and one foot over here, and you're like, I just don't want to make that choice. There's things I don't want to give up. I don't want to make this commitment. This would be the time, and I'm not being mean, this would be the time to start getting afraid. You need to be right with Jesus. And I don't mind scaring people anymore because I'm not going to stand before God and him get mad at me and say, well, why didn't you tell them? What am I going to say? It's 2023. We're all little sissies and nobody can take it anymore. Jesus? No, he's going to say, I don't care. You knew what to say and you didn't say it. And so I'm not willing to get in trouble with the boss at everybody else's expense. I'm, I'm willing to get you mad at me. I'm not willing to get God mad at me, okay? And so that's where I've arrived at. And if you don't like me and you're mad at me, then I love you with all of my heart and I care about you, okay? So we're going to get into scripture today. And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, I want you to pay attention. I, we've got a lot here uh, that we're going to cover. But um, I heard this story about Billy Graham. Does anybody know who Billy Graham is? He's the goat of evangelism, the greatest of all time, I believe, other than Jesus of evangelism. But he was in this small town and he was wanting to write a letter to his wife. This is like back in the 40s or 50s. He couldn't find the post office. And so he stops this little boy on the street and the little boy gives him directions. And he says, oh, thank you, young man. Hey, tonight, come on out to the high school football field. I'm going to be telling everybody how to get to heaven. And the little boy's like, I doubt that. You can't even find your way to the post office, okay? Tell me how to get to heaven. All right, that was your one laugh for today. Now I'm going to get serious. <laughs> but today I do feel compelled to talk about what some people would call a controversial topic. And it is a topic that uh, many churches are timid or afraid to kind of talk about in our day and age. And it is what we call the rapture. And uh, this is when Jesus, okay? And again, some of you sitting in here have heard this your whole life like I have. There's people in here that have never heard about this or maybe heard a little bit about it, but they don't really know what it is. And so I'm gonna explain this today. But when we say rapture, this is when Jesus will return. And uh, those who are true born again Christians, not fakers, not people that just talk about it, people that actually live it, uh, that's when they will see Jesus coming down in the sky, and then we will be basically snatched out, yanked out of this earth, we will meet him in the sky and be taken directly to heaven. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture. Uh, but we're going to see some things and talk about some things today that may sound like we stole them from a sci-fi movie, okay? <laughs> but in all reality, sci-fi movies stole some of their ideas from the Bible. This was written a long time before any of these guys. Now, one common uh, argument that scoffers make is, well, the word rapture, how can you even believe in it? That word is not even in the Bible. And it's true. You will not find the word rapture in the Bible. And I always say this, you also don't find the word Bible in the Bible, but I still believe that it's a real thing. I've got one right here, amen? And so you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but it is a very clearly proven Christian doctrine. And so just because that word specifically is not found in the Bible doesn't mean that the 
catching away, the snatching away of the church isn't a real thing. And so this comes, the word rapture we use comes from Latin translations uh, where it, it used this word rapturo, and that's the Latin word. And this means to quickly snatch something away, just grab it. And that's what the Lord is going to do for us uh, right here. I believe possibly very, very soon, okay? And so let's get into this sermon. Three things today. Number one is this. Number one, Christians will meet Jesus in the air. Christians will meet Jesus in the air when this event takes place. And so let's go to Acts chapter one, verses nine through 11. Acts chapter one, nine through 11. Are you with me today? Amen. And so this is gonna be, Definitely a teaching uh, of Scripture today, more of a teaching than a preaching, but I am certain that the Lord needs you to hear this today. I've stayed awake this week praying over this. I've just all sorts of things, man. This is serious to me. And I see just even last Sunday morning, seven people gave their lives to Jesus. We've got spir our spiritual personal trainer team, amen. That's awesome. Our SPT team are just, you know, they've they're got their hands full. Uh, they're, they're discipling people left and right. People are getting real right now. And I, we knew this was going to happen. But Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, this is when Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection. It says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. These were angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Amen. So Jesus went up into the sky to leave, to exit the earth, and he's going to come back down from the sky in the same way that he exited the earth. They said it will happen someday. And so, yes, he will come down out of the sky and rescue us out of this mess. Now, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to throw you a lot of scripture today because you need this. 1 Thessalonians 4. And as we're turning there, the Thessalonian church, uh, who this letter was written to, these were uh, people in the city of Thessalonica, an ancient city. And they, uh, they strongly believed in the rapture. They strongly believed in the catching away of the church, of the Christians. But they had a lot of questions. And so Paul writes 1 Thessalonians to answer some of those questions. Then they've got even more questions. So he writes another letter called 2 Thessalonians, and he answers these questions. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. And it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Does anybody in here, you know a believer or a Christian that's already died? You know, you're, you know your grandma, somebody, you know them and they've died, okay. Well, verse 14 says, 
For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. So is Paul making this up that he's saying? No, this is directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Come on. Somebody's like, I thought I saw that in a movie once. I thought I'd read that in the Bible once. Amen. This is good stuff. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. That's beautiful. Look at verse 18. So discourage each other and scare each other with these words. No, it says, encourage each other with these words. Amen. If you are right with God, this is encouraging. You love hearing about this. If you're not right with God, this scares you out of your stinking wits. I'm just being real right now. And it probably should. And so verse 14 points out that when he returns, he's bringing back the Christian's who have already died. And so these people, their bodies have been in the grave already. They've been buried, they're in the grave, but their spirits have been in heaven, right? Because when you die, your spirit goes somewhere. If you're right with God, your spirit goes to heaven. Or if you were not right with God, it would go to hell. But if someone that is a believer, their spirit exited the body when they died and went to heaven. And their body stayed here on earth. And then we buried it. And then when Jesus comes back, their bodies are resurrected like Jesus was resurrected. Their spirits come down and meet each other in the air. And then guess what? We're next, amen? We get to go next and meet the Lord in the air. And at this point, we're gonna have what the scripture refers to as a glorified body. Can someone say glorified body? Well, what's this all about? Start flipping over to 1 Corinthians 15. We're gonna flip over there. And so this glorified body, uh, it, it doesn't age. It doesn't get sick. It doesn't get hurt. And in fact, after Jesus was resurrected, it tells us that he had a glorified body. And I know this much about Jesus. After he resurrected, he had this glorified body. He was like walking through walls and stuff. And I'm like, give me one of those. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so... But the coolest thing that we've read so far is we're going to be reunited, amen, with loved ones that were Christians that died before us. Because I've got some people that I want to see again. Does anybody in here, you've got some people that you want to see again? I do. I've got, I've got people I want to see again. And I bet there's family members that I don't even know about that I'm going to get to meet in heaven. And I'm excited about this. But 1 Corinthians 15 and we're going to pick it up here at verse 40. And this is uh, some explanation that Paul gives about these 
glorified bodies the, that we're going to get, okay? I want you to get this, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40, Paul says, There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. Here it is. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual or glorified bodies. Amen? And so Paul uses the example of a seed being planted into the ground. When you die and, and get buried, it's just like the seed going into the ground. But with any seed, you plant it. But at just the right time, it breaks through the ground and the real life begins. And what I'm trying to tell you today is this right now isn't our real life. This is simply dress rehearsal. This is just getting ready. Our real life is in heaven. It's in eternity. And so many people all of their focus, all of their attention, all of their desire is just here for this world and in this life. And I can tell you, if you're doing really, really good, you might reach 100 years on this earth, potentially the smallest percentage ever, 120 years. You're going to be in the real life, in eternity, for the next 500 trillion, billion, zillion, never-ending years. Why would I put all of my efforts, all of my attention, all of my energy, everything in to this one tiny microscopic 80 to 100 year life and totally ignore eternity? And that's what so many people do. And I have determined I'm, there's nothing in this life that I'm willing to risk eternity for. That's the real life. Look at verses 51 through 55. 51 through 55. And Paul goes on to say, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And so there are people, and we could be some of those people, that will never experience physical death. Why is that? Well, because we would be raptured and taken to heaven. Amen. And so Paul goes on to describe what we call the rapture, this transformation. Verse 52, it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye, or the King James says, in the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. 
our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies, these ones that you have right now, when these bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Someone should say amen this morning. Amen. So for the born-again Christian, death has lost its sting, and it cannot beat us. In fact, the Bible tells us that death is the last enemy that will be defeated. And so if we live in this world, it's a win for us because we've got Jesus. If we die as a Christian, it's a win for us because we've got Jesus. You simply cannot defeat the born again child of God. Either way, we get to be with Jesus. And so death has lost its sting on us. The grave has lost its victory. Somebody, do you get that today? Are you, are you hearing that today? We don't have to be afraid of death. Now notice right here, it says that the rapture is gonna take place really, really fast. Uh, we mentioned the King James Bible says it'll be in the twinkling of an eye. And right here it said just in the blink of an eye. And for any of this to make sense to you, you gotta pause for a moment and ponder how big and how powerful God is. Because none of us comprehend how big, how, because some of the things we read, we're like, okay, it says that, but it's, I just can't see this. It, it's highly unbelievable. It's a stretch of my imagination to just imagine, you know, millions of people just whoop, disappearing and meeting the Lord in the air. You listen, none of us will fully comprehend how big and how powerful God is. But if you've got even a glimpse of it, You've got some faith and you can begin to imagine this. The book of Isaiah says that, that God is so big that all the waters of the earth can fit into the palm of his hand. That's a really big hand. Think about that. That's a huge hand. You know, the Pacific Ocean, there's a, a, an area called the Mariana Trench and it's the deepest waters in the world. And I think it's like 30,000 feet deep. It's deeper than Mount Everest is tall. And for God, that's like, we just fit in the palm of his hand. Isaiah tells us that God uses the mountains as stepping stones. I mean, when you walk out to the gravel after church, that's the same thing as God walking over Mount Everest. Walking over, you know, the Himalayas. I, I, that's how big he is. Yes, he could, when he wants to, snatch all of his children and say, let's go. You don't need to be down there in that mess anymore. Come on. Amen. So it's going to be big and it's going to be fast. And have you ever seen someone maybe in a movie or maybe in real life? You've got kids, so you've had this happen. But imagine that, you know, they're maybe playing in the road or something. They're getting ready to touch something they shouldn't touch. They're getting ready to bring bad danger upon themselves. Have you ever as a parent just snatched them right before they put the fork in the socket, right? Yeah, you snatched them out of the road before something happened and you grabbed them and saved them from the danger right in the nick of time. That's this picture of the rapture. There's imminent danger coming and God grabs his kids out of the way right before 
the danger gets them. That's the rapture. Danger, yeah, it's coming, but I believe, you know, there's debates, there's debates, and there's probably even people here that don't agree with me, and that's fine, dude, I'm patient. I can totally wait until we get to heaven for God to tell you you were wrong, and I was right, I'm fine. I don't, <laughs> I'm just joking, it's a joke, but people debate. Do you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, the post-tribulation rapture, the mid-tribulation rapture, the three-week rapture? I mean, all these crazy things. And I'm like, dude, whatever, man, I'm going to heaven. But I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Just throwing that out there right now. I believe in it. I believe there's ample Bible evidence to prove a pre-tribulation rapture. But the tribulation, and we're not going to study this right at this moment, but I believe is getting ready to begin. I believe that we're close to this, okay? And this is what the scripture refers to as seven full years of hell on earth. Anything that we've seen so far makes the tribulation period look like a walk in the park. And that's one reason why I believe God is gonna snatch his children out before it all happens. And we'll look at it later, but 1 Thessalonians tells us that there's a time of wrath coming, but God's children were not appointed unto wrath, amen? And so I believe we'll be snatched out of this. But I've shown you what the rapture is. Do you understand that? That a time is coming, and I don't know if the whole world's gonna hear this trumpet and this shout, or if only God's children are gonna hear it. I don't know, but mark my words, mark the words of the Bible, that someday, potentially very, very soon, born-again Christians are going to hear a trumpet from heaven. They're going to hear a shout, hey, let's go! And we're going to be snatched out of here and gone. This is what we refer to as the rapture. But point number two is very serious some people will be left behind. Not everybody is gonna go. And that's just the fact of the matter. Not everybody goes to heaven. I would love to be able to say something different, but it would be a lie. Not everybody goes to heaven. And what we're gonna see here in scripture is not everybody is gonna go in the rapture. I'd like it if they did, but the truth is that not everybody's gonna go. But another great truth is everybody can go. Everybody can go because the choice isn't just up to the Lord, it's up to us. If we will call on the name of the Lord, if we will give Jesus our heart and live for him, that's your decision. God won't force you to receive him. He won't force himself upon you but you have the choice. And if you choose Jesus, you can go. You can write this down, but 2 Peter 3.8 says that the Lord wants everyone to be saved, everybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but some people flat out reject the invitation to heaven. And so when the rapture comes, there will be people left behind that flat out rejected Jesus in word and in action and there will be some who knew the right words to say, but they rejected Jesus by their actions. 
So just because you repeated a, a two-sentence prayer one time and then went on to not actually live for Jesus, that's not a guarantee that you're going. Now, being born again, being saved, is not about living a perfect life because none of us have lived a perfect life other than Jesus himself. I have not lived a perfect life. I have sinned. I have done bad, stupid things. So none of us, it's not about being perfect, but when you stubbornly choose to not live according to the ways of God, he knows that. God's not dumb. He's not dumb. And so it's important that we don't just say, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Now let me go beat my neighbor up because, you know, they parked on my side of the street. Matthew chapter 7. Let's go. Matthew chapter 7. Here's something you need to see. Now, I promise I want to encourage you before we leave here today, but I also know that we got to educate ourselves on what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. It's so important that we, it's not about what church you go to, as long as it's a Bible-believing church. <laughs> I saw it last night. I was just, I look up statistics because I'm a nerd, so just don't ask why. But I was like, one of the major U.S. denominations, and they've clearly steered away from the Bible I think they're the third largest denomination. They've lost 40% of their membership in the last 15 years. That's massive. And I agree with people leaving that denomination because they've totally steered away from the Bible. But listen, it's not about what church you go to as long as it's a Bible believing, Jesus is the only way, the Bible's the only way type of church. But I so believe <laughs> that you need to be in church in the end times. Pastor Katie and I, yesterday, we, uh, we, we were taking an Uber ride across Dallas, Texas to get from one spot to the other. And what the man driving us, he has a cross, this beautiful wooden cross hanging on his window, on his rearview mirror. And so Pastor Katie's like, I love your cross. The man nearly breaks down in tears and kisses the cross. And, he, and we start talking, and uh, he's from Ethiopia, and he is a born-again Christian from Ethiopia. And we began talking, and the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest Christ bodies of Christians in the entire world. But this guy, we're like, do you have a church here in Dallas? He's like, oh, yeah, there's 50 of our churches here in Dallas. And I go, and, and, and he, he doesn't miss church ever. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm amazed by this guy. And, and he moved here by himself five years ago. He's got no family, nothing, but he moved here. And he's like, I, I love Jesus so much. And I love this nation so much. I was like, you like it better than your, you know, he's like, I love it here because here I can worship God how I want to worship God. Nobody comes at me. It's beautiful. He's like, in this country, it doesn't matter what family I was born into. If I work hard, I can do anything. The opportunities are limitless in this place. He's like, I don't understand why people hate this nation and why people badmouth it. He said, in Ethiopia, I had nearly a 4.0 GPA, but I knew graduating that I had no chance of getting a job. 
of any kind. But my friend, because he was born into the right family, he had like a 2.0 GPA and he had a guaranteed future simply because it doesn't matter how hard you work over there. All that matters is you were born into the right family. He's like, I love this nation. And he was wearing this American flag hat. And I was like, amen. What? <laughs> Praise God. That got deep really fast. <laughs> and then he goes on and, and, and he's, he loves Jesus with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. And he says, I just don't get it. You can go to any church you want here. And yet so many people, they just don't value it. They don't even care. And I'm like, brother, I love you. I gave him the biggest tip that Uber would allow me to give him. <laughs> because listen, I love guys like that, man, that are willing to just risk it all. And they love Jesus. You know, you've got brothers and sisters all over this planet that you will not meet down here, but we're gonna be rejoicing and worshiping together at the throne of God, maybe very, very soon. It's a beautiful thing. I love it so much. But you gotta know that not everybody that says, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Grandma took me to church. I prayed the prayer at Vacation Bible School in 1993. Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, Jesus said, hey, listen, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That is not a popular verse. I can tell you that right now. Most people do not want to hear that. But Jesus is referring right here. These are people who talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. And I can say that I lay awake at night right now, terrified for lukewarm Christians. Terrified. Because there's going to be a large percentage of the population that is gone, potentially sometime very, very soon. And it's gonna be a terrifying thing. And people that thought they were good will find out that they weren't where they needed to be. Matthew 24, I'm gonna go a little bit faster right now. Matthew 24, verses 40 through 41. Matthew 24, verses 40 through 41. This is Jesus himself speaking about this day and about this moment. Matthew 24, verse 40, Jesus says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. Luke chapter 17, verse 34. Luke 17, verse 34. Jesus says, that night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. We looked last week in Matthew 25 at the story of the 10 bridesmaids. Five were taken, five were left. Now I'm not using 
50% as an exact analogy because I think it's probably going to be less than that. But imagine 50%, if you will, according to, if you were to look at it in this light, 50% of people gone instantly. Verse 37 Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. And so again, none of us know the exact number of people that will go to heaven in the rapture, but I think it's something to think about and something to imagine. Think of Here's where I'm going to get real, okay? And again, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just trying to tell the truth so I can stand before God Almighty with a clean conscience someday soon. So think of the turmoil and the chaos and the fear that would take place as perhaps half of the population is instantly, unexplainably gone. Just imagine this moment. I think that cars will be left going down the 405 freeway with no driver. (laughs) going down the 15 freeway, uh, wrecking perhaps planes falling from the sky. I don't know. I know this much that the workforce would be drastically cut in half or, or, or whatever. Businesses everywhere would close down. Certainly Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are gone. They're like all Christians. Amen. So get your sandwich now. But imagine the chaos. Imagine the chaos. And, and I heard one guy talking about certain countries of the world may not feel the hit as much as the United States would. Some nations, uh, you know, maybe have a less than 1% Christian population. They may be able to not feel it. But in the U.S., there's supposedly 60 to 90 million Christians. There's no way to prove this exactly other than to maybe look at church attendance statistics, even though that doesn't guarantee it. But as of 2021, the nearest I can find, 67 million Christians weekly attend church. That's, if we're gonna gauge off of that, you know, but that couldn't possibly be a totally accurate number. But imagine the US, we have 335 million people. Imagine at least 67 million of us are gone. And let's just get real, Christians are the backbone of the nation. They're the moral compass. They're the the hardest workers. They're the contributors. They're the charitable people. Whether you agree with that or not, it's the absolute truth. Christians give the most to charity. They do the most good things. It's just the fact of the matter. I mean, looking at Billy and other Christian charitable people in here, you do a lot, okay? And you do it because Jesus is in your heart not because you want good publicity or whatever. So let's just say you're gone, right? And a big portion of the workforce is gone. This economy will instantly crumble. Our military, a lot of them are Christians. They're gone. This strength that we've boasted in, and I love our military, they're the best people in the world. We got a lot in our church. They're doing their best. They're awesome. But the strength and the might that we brag on and are proud of, well, imagine a whole bunch of them are gone now. This could turn into an absolute nightmare. Now, if I'm living for Jesus, I'm not afraid of this, but I am afraid for the people that I know that are not ready. I'm related to people 
that are not ready. Well, you can't judge that. Well, Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. And so if we're looking at the tree of your life and it's filled with ungodly things, I'm not judging you, but I am told by Jesus to judge the fruit of your life. And if it's filled with rage and violence and perversion and nasty, well, then Jesus said it's what's in the heart that comes out. So the heart must have something wrong. That's not me being judgmental. That's just doing what Jesus said to do, okay? And so based off of that, there's people that I'm related to that probably aren't ready for this moment. There's people I know in Barstow. There's people that attend my church that are not ready. And I'm just gonna be real with you. And that terrifies me. And I, again, I don't know what to do except tell you this is very, very real. So what if it doesn't happen next week or next year? Okay, praise God, we felt a birth pain. If this isn't it, it's gonna look a lot like this. And it is gonna happen. Maybe not in our life, but maybe in our life. And so I remember who was alive for 9-11. So I, see, I feel so old because I was in high school and I was at school when this happened. And then, you know, I do young adults and, and youth group and these guys have read about it in history books. Well, I remember it. And I remember coming home uh, from school and watching the news and, and I kept seeing people standing in front of the news cameras with pictures and this is my son. If you find him, have him call me, okay? Or this is my daughter. This is my friend. This was my wife. If, if anybody sees her, please tell her I'm looking. And I can just imagine when millions of people are gone, the news, hey, this is my, my daughter. I can't find her. My husband, my grandma, my wife, my husband is gone. Please tell her I'm looking for her. Can you imagine what this moment is going to be like. And one of the hardest thoughts for me is the parents that are gonna be weeping because their kids are gone. Children go to heaven. Automatically. Matthew 18, 10 tells us that these little ones, their angels are always in the presence of God. And so until a child reaches what theologically we call the age of accountability, until they can fully comprehend and make a decision about Jesus themselves, they are, they're innocent, they're pure, they're sweet. They're just gonna go to heaven, but there's a lot of parents. I'm just being real people. I'm not trying to be crazy. And so you can think I'm crazy. I'm, dude, I'm fine. I've been called worse things this week than crazy. But listen to me, there's gonna be parents that their children are gone. There's gonna be a mom or a dad that's gonna lose their spouse and their kids all at once and be left alone. And that's a very sobering thought. And I can tell you this much, heaven is full of children. Hell has none, none. And that's another reason that I love this church. It's, you hear those kids, they're not bugging me one bit, man. They don't bug, you had kids running around here afterwards? I'm fine with it, dude, I love it. And I'm just telling you, we've got little kids receiving Jesus every week, little kids getting prayer, little kids laying the foundation for their life, and I love it. And so right now in this church, I mean, 
300 or more people a week are coming in here, 100 of those are kids and teenagers. I'm good with that as a pastor. I love that. And I talk to some pastors like, you can't count kids. I'm like, I count kids. The devil counts kids. I count kids. We're not babysitting these kids. They're hearing about Jesus. Amen. And they're ready. These kids are ready. I've got adults in here. Their kids led them to the Lord and got them into church. So we will never apologize for actually teaching kids the Bible. I'll never back down from that ever. If you're not listening, they are. Amen. And so number three, I'm going to get into this. The tribulation period begins. I'm not going to really super deep go into this today because, you know, we're getting kind of kind of heavy already, but number three, after the rapture, this period that the Bible calls the tribulation begins, and as we said, I believe God's going to snatch his children out of the way right before disaster strikes, but one thing that's hard for some of us to wrap our minds around <laughs> is that the tribulation is not only the devil attacking everybody. There will be plenty of that. Don't get me wrong. There, the devil is going to be rampant uh, because Thessalonians tells us that the Antichrist will come onto the scene. But there is someone or something that is restraining him from being revealed. And when that restrainer is removed, then the Antichrist can come and do his thing. Well, I believe that the restrainer is the body of Christ, the Christians. When we're out of the way, then he can roll onto the scene and do what he's going to do. And so this tribulation period, the devil's going to be doing some gnarly things. The Antichrist and the book of Revelation talks about this beast or false prophet. They're going to be doing some things. But this is really hard to, for me to comprehend and probably anybody in this church but also the tribulation is when the wrath of God is poured out on earth. Revelation, write it down. Revelation 6, 16 through 17, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Revelation 6, 16 through 17, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. There is a time of wrath. And we're not a church that focuses on God's wrath and anger. Believe me, if you've been here, we're heavy on the love. We're heavy on the grace and uh, mercy of God. It's all I preach, baby. But there is a time of wrath. And we know that God's a loving God and he gives his people chance after chance. His mercies are new every single morning. But as things get worse and more perverse in this world, there is a day of reckoning coming and there is a day of judgment. And so, there's, again, different thoughts on when the rapture take place, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, uh, you know, again, whatever. But I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And I want you to look here at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. Are you still with me today? Okay. The, the old loony preacher, you're not tuning me out? <laughs> Amen. I believe what we're talking about with all of my heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to look here at verses 4 through 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. And the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, 
But you are not in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Uh, Hey, listen, it's coming. And it says, if you're really connected to Jesus, you're not going to be surprised. And so we're talking about all these things right now. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah. So listen, a lot of us probably aren't going to be totally like, wow, I never saw it coming. But yeah, I saw this coming. Verse five, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Verse nine, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger, his wrath on us. Are you born again today? That was your best chance you'll ever have to say amen right there. That's really good news. Verse 10, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. And we saw the apostle Paul say that uh, in some of the verses we read earlier. He keeps saying, he says some things that seem really intense, potentially scary, And then he says, but encourage each other, (laughs) encourage each other. This is good news for the children of the light. And so this thing called the rapture, it will take place sooner or later. People can mock it and make fun of it all they want to right now. It's the same thing they did to Noah. They made fun of him for building this ark. And then when the flood came, everybody wanted inside of it. If you believe this, and you preach this right now, they're gonna make fun of you. But the sad news is they're all gonna wish they listened when the flood comes and you're in the ark. It's not funny then, it's not a joke then. And this is a real thing. And so I'm gonna ask us, we're gonna bring it in for a landing right there. I'm gonna ask us this morning to go ahead and stand up together. Did anybody learn anything or receive from the word of God today? Amen. And so, actually, you know what? I didn't know which direction to go with this. I asked Pastor Josh, so there's this song, uh, it was written in the 70s, okay? There was this hippie rock and roller named Larry Norman that got saved and gave his life to Jesus. He was a hippie, dude. He was long hair and a beard and, and bell bottoms and all this. But anyway, he went full on for Jesus. And he wrote this song called, I wish we'd all been ready. And so I, you know, I asked Josh to sing this song this morning. And here's what I request of you right now. If you could stick with me, I'm gonna have him sing this song and then I'm gonna pray for you this morning. But you know how serious we take prayer around here. I'm asking you to give God five more minutes, 10 more minutes. Please don't be walking around. Please don't be looking at TikTok, checking fantasy football, asking your buddy where he's eating lunch at, 
you know, you, you, you laugh because some of you think that's why would somebody do that at prayer time? Well, I have a bird's eye view now that we lifted this stage five feet and I see really dumb things that just shame me as a pastor sometimes. So give God a few more minutes because I've prayed seven days for this moment from Dallas, Texas, all the way to Barstow, California. I've been praying that God would speak to people this morning. People are here that are not right with God. Some of them aren't gonna respond probably when I give this opportunity in a minute, they've got too much pride, but some people, their pride has been chiseled away with to the point that they'll actually listen to God now. And I, I really want this to happen because I love people and 99% of you in here feeling the same way that I'm feeling. So Josh is gonna sing this song. It's called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And it's just kind of a look at somebody that wasn't ready. Then after that, I wanna pray for you, okay? Go ahead. When life was filled with guns and war And everyone was trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready Our children died, the days grew cold A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold I wish we'd all been ready And there's no time to change your mind The sun has come and you've been left behind A man and wife asleep in bed She hears a noise and turns her head He's gone I wish we'd all been ready Two men walking up a hill One disappears and one's left standing still I wish we'd all been ready There's no time to change your mind The sun has come and you've been left behind talking about saying repeating a prayer after i'm talking about really giving their life to jesus in joel chapter 3 the prophet joel prophesied he said 
thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision, but it's right there that the great and terrible day of the Lord will arrive. And so there's people all over this world right now. There's people in here that they're like, oh, I'm, in, I'm trying to make a decision. I'm trying to, and, 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 and they're in the valley of decision, but it's right there that Jesus shows up and then it's too late. And, and, and there's people that are scared of what they see going on in the world, but they don't wanna let go of some things. And some modern preachers will tell you that you just need to repeat a prayer and then you just continue on how you were, don't change anything, but that's not really the truth. And I would be a liar if I told you that that's how it is. When you call on Jesus, you're not an instantly perfect person because none of us will ever be a perfect person. But when you come to Jesus, there are some things that you leave behind. I'm not gonna lie about that. And it may take a minute. You may not instantly be able to walk away from some things, but you at least start taking the steps. You at least start saying, okay, this is gonna be hard, but I gotta start letting go of this. I've got to start walking away from this person, from this addiction, from this lifestyle. And salvation, it's a free gift, but let me tell you, it does cost you something. Jesus said to count the cost before you follow me. He said to take up your cross and follow me. And some people are like, you know what? I don't think that I'm willing to do that. I, I don't wanna pay that price. I don't, I don't wanna count the cost. Listen, your salvation cost Jesus Christ his life. And I don't wanna make a commitment now. I, uh, it's gonna cost me something. It cost him his life. Any price I pay is minuscule compared to what Jesus paid. And so Billy Graham said it this way. I just watched him last night. Billy Graham said, listen, the price for not receiving Jesus, the price, the, the cost that it's gonna be to your life is nothing compared to the cost of rejecting Jesus. The cost of letting go of some things here is nothing compared to the cost of being left behind. And so I wanna pray with you today and Listen, I already know, I know that there's plenty here that they, they're not ready for all this, but that could all change today. I'm telling you, I've been praying for you all over this week. Check it out. That you would lay down your pride, that you would not be too embarrassed. Listen, if you're too embarrassed to receive Jesus right now, do not lie to yourself and say, I'm strong enough for the things to come, even if I were to get left. You are not. If you will not acknowledge Jesus and a church full of loving, welcoming, accepting people, you will not stand for him when this thing gets really real. Do not lie. Because I found out during COVID, there was people that said, I would go to jail for my faith. They wouldn't even go to church for their faith. You know, I'm like, that, see how far that went. That was a crotch. And so just check it out. Listen, don't lie to yourself. You will never have a better chance to get things right with God than you do on this day. And so I wanna pray with you and give you that opportunity today. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And I do want you to say a prayer with me today. Can you say these words? 
Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus some praise today? All right. Jose, come on up. So if you know us around here, we don't just say a prayer, pat you on the back and say, grab your Dutch Brothers gift card on the way out. Have a nice life. Hope you make it. No, we, listen, Jesus told us to make disciples of all nation, to not, not to make converts of all nation. And so uh, what we have is a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer, where if you are getting your life right with God today, we wanna connect you and pair you up with somebody else from church here that's already made this journey, that's already in a healthy, mature relationship with Jesus, I'm asking you to come see Jose, if that's you. Yeah, but I could get embarrassed, like, oh my gosh. Your eternal salvation means more to you or less to you than, you know, 30 seconds of having to acknowledge Jesus publicly. Jesus said, if you cannot acknowledge me before men on earth, I will not acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. I've done my part. I've got a clean conscience now. I can, I'm good. I can go home and, and know that I did what God told me to do today. But if you're here and this was your day to say, you know what? I prayed it. I meant it. And I really do want to start living for the Lord. I'm going to ask you here as we're praying for others, go see Jose. He'll get your information. We will connect you. We have a lot of people in this program right now that said, you know what? It's getting real. I better be right with God. And so I, I, I did what Jesus told me to do, all right? And so uh, if that's you, go see Jose. Don't be embarrassed. Shoot your pride down. Don't let your pride keep you out of heaven. It's not worth it. I'm gonna ask my prayer team to come on up this morning. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, we wanna pray for you. If you've got health issues, marriage issues, money issues, whatever your issues are, we wanna pray with you. That's what this team is for. If you're here and you're not joking around about Jesus, you wanna get things right, there's already people going over there. Go talk to Jose, he'll get your information. Pastor Josh is gonna lead us in worship. We're gonna pray for people for the next couple of minutes. I ask the rest of the congregation to please be respectful and uh, pray for them or worship Jesus where you're at, but don't hit the doors just yet, amen. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope and without light Till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne in endless glory to a cradle in the Pray. 
is the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. To reveal the kingdom come and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, that you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus for our sake you died. Praise the Till that stone was moved for good, before the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Gospel truth of old shall not heal, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me.
Until that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. This gospel truth the void shall not kneel, shall not faint. In his blood and in his name, by his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, which has resurrected me.
Stay connected. Give us, give the Lord a few more minutes. Amen. Sometimes he, sometimes even Jesus works overtime. And, uh, and so I'm asking you to let Jesus put in a little overtime today, working on these lives. Give us a few more minutes, please. Amen. I'll hop back down here and pray for some more people. Thank you. Yeah. 
the Lord. Well, thank you, Jesus. Man, isn't the Lord good? Isn't he good? Hallelujah. I love Jesus. Well, I just want to, uh, man, encourage you. The Lord has been with us today. And uh, again, I'm not some conspiracy theory guy that just says crazy things. I just, I keep reading the Bible, then I'll turn the news on and be like, wait, I already read about this. And Probably more of that's going to happen this week, okay? And so none of us know, you know, this could just be warning signs or birth pains that Jesus said, or maybe it, maybe it is the big one. But I challenge you, I encourage you, come to Jesus, stick with Jesus, be in the house of God. I, and I'm not saying that because we need more numbers in our church. This place is bursting at the seams with growth. I don't need more people to come to our church for my ego. I just want to say that. I need people to come to this church because Jesus said, man, especially as the day of his return approaches, you've got to assemble together in the house of God. Some of the best strength and the best hope that you have is being at church. That's all I got to say about that, okay? And so I'm telling you, you need to be in church. And if this isn't your church, if, fine, find your church, please, and go to it. You got to, you got to, amen? Well, I'm going to close this down in prayer. And a lot of people came to Jose today. Uh, we're going to be getting more spiritual personal trainers because all of our team has three, four, five people they're working with right now. So we're gonna be getting more spiritual personal trainers to help us uh, do this. But the Lord is doing a great work right now in the end times, amen. Let's go ahead and we're gonna close out in prayer. We'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. We have church tonight at six o'clock. I don't think it would hurt you one bit to be here again. Uh, if you've signed up for the parenting class, uh, intentional parenting is at four o'clock, so be here for that. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you that you gave us fair warning on everything that we see happening in the world. And so you said, those that are ready, that's not going to catch us off guard. We saw it coming, Lord, because we've read the Bible. But Lord, I pray for each person here today uh, that we've been strengthened and encouraged from your word today. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't have a spirit of fear out of all this, Lord, but we would be encouraged. We would be motivated to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. For those that just came back to the Lord, for those that gave their lives to Jesus or returned to him today, Lord, give them strength in this season as they're growing in their faith. 
Lord, and going through this process of sanctification. I thank you, Lord, that you are with them. And Lord, for those that were here or watched online that ignored the call today, Lord, that, that just said, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not ready, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them and would work overtime on them and that they would tap out <laughs> and they would submit to you, Jesus, and say, no, I gotta have Jesus. I gotta live for him. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We love you in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Amen, hallelujah. All right, well, Harvest Fest is this Friday. Uh, you know, not to go from all serious back to that, but listen, Harvest Fest is this Friday. Uh, if you signed up, you know, they'll contact you. If you want to help pack candy bags, that's apparently tomorrow night. And uh, anyway, Wednesday night will be a training session for all that. So let's go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. You guys can get on out of here today. Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.